We're back. Are you excited? Sorry, I gotta adjust my mask. We're back. This is great. I kind of. Oh man, this is good. Uh, sorry, I gotta get all adjusted here. Welcome to the Legacy Style Service. We're glad you're here, Bozeman. We are so glad that you're here online. Uh, we just want to thank you for joining us. That's um, great. Let's have some connection between this service and those who are online if there's a chance just go on and and interact with them on it's facebook live right yeah if you have your phone yep if you have your phone facebook live just go on and text hey we're glad to see you guys because we are one body it's a little awkward let's just say it like it is i have never once worn a mask in church i don't know if i like it or not i really don't but that's all right. Better to be safe. So we are glad. We are glad that you guys are here. Um, we just keep trucking along, and uh, we'll have a great time. We'll have a great service today. So we're glad that you're here. Um, come on up. Let's. Geraldine, yeah, Geraldine, yeah. come on up. I'm glad that you're here. Is this on? Yes. Well, welcome again to the great adventure in opening up in worship. Uh, I was reading in John a week or so ago about the discussion that Jesus had with the woman at the well. And he was saying that um, it wasn't really where she worshiped, but that we worship in spirit and in truth. So again, for those that are here, for those that are online, it's just a real blessing that we are together as a church family. And we're glad that you are here and listening to the sermon um, that we have from Ryan this morning. We have a few announcements. As you know, the Spring Hill Vacation Bible School has been canceled uh, for 2020, but we're already thinking about wanting to reach out to children and to families. Um, next year. So if you have any questions, please contact Tori Williams in the office. We have three men's discipleship groups um, that are in the planning stages and one women's Bible study uh, that will meet as restrictions are, are lifted. For now, the Friday morning legacy men's group will meet in person and the Saturday morning Bozeman men's group will meet on Zion, uh, Zoom, excuse me. Um, uh, the Belgrade men's group is currently on hold. Terry Kelly's women's Bible study at Legacy will begin meeting in person on Tuesday, May 26th. Please check the church website under the adults tab for special details. Next Sunday, we will be recognizing our high school graduates during the worship service. Obviously, this has been a challenging time for our um, graduates. They have accomplished so much, and we want to do what we can to encourage them and just bless them on their new journey. So we want to recognize them uh, next Sunday. So if you have a student that's graduating, please be sure to get their information and a photo 
email to Misty Richardson in the office. And now we're pleased to um, share a brief video as we remember um, and honor the men and women who have served in the U.S. military with courage and at times have had to make the ultimate sacrifice. So watch this with us this morning. Thank to begin our worship service this morning with scripture, with Psalm 122. So please hear the word of the Lord as we focus ourselves to worship this morning. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be unto you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Please stand with us and sing, Holy, Holy, Holy.
Merciful God, we have not loved you with all our heart and mind and strength and soul. Lord, have mercy on us. We have not loved our neighbor as you taught us. Christ, have mercy on us. We are indifferent to the saving grace of your word and life. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us and heal us by your steadfast love, which is made known to us in the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We can be assured of pardon, which is great. Let me read this to you. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. In Jesus Christ we have received forgiveness, the glory of God alone. Amen. stand with us and sing. If you're online this morning, please join us and sing. Open our eyes, Lord, as we prepare for worship this morning.
Amen. Let's pray. Will you pray with me? God, we ask this morning as we gather together as your people, both here in this place and online, um, Lord, that you would speak to us. God, that you would open our eyes because we want to see you, Jesus, that you would give us hearts to know you, that you would give us minds to consider you, Lord, ears to listen for your voice. God, we pray this morning that uh, as we open up your word and we chew on it and we think about what your good news means for our lives, that you would shape us and make us and mold us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. Man, it feels good to hear some amens in this room. Golly, it's like... I don't know what it's like. I feel like, uh, I feel like a kid who, um, who hasn't ridden his bike in, in years, and all of a sudden he's on it again. Um, and uh, it is so good to be in worship with you. Bozeman site, it's so good to be in worship with you this morning. Now everybody can see what I do. I look at the camera. See this? Look at the camera on a, on a Sunday morning. And, um, and my apologies, Bozeman site. You know, I, I was thinking about it this morning. Um, uh, one of my favorite things to do whenever I go home back to my hometown of Grand Junction, Colorado, is to go skeet shooting with my dad. And I have never once beaten my dad in skeet shooting. I'm just not good at it at all. And uh, if, if you put the target right in front of me and we're rifle shooting, I can kill that thing every single time. But you put a shotgun in my hand and all of a sudden that thing's flying through the air. And uh, you're lucky if I hit one and he can hit a triple. Um, but what I'm trying to say is this is a moving target. And my accuracy is not always that great. So, uh, so Bozeman site, we're going to meet with our elders this Tuesday evening. And uh, we're going to continue to look at phases and look at what, uh, how we can continue to be together as God's people. Um, but legacy, it is good to see your faces this morning. Um, if you've been following with us online, you know we're in the midst of this sermon series on Nehemiah. Uh, courageous leadership in uncertain times. And um, so far, we've seen Nehemiah face all kinds of trials. He's faced uh, rejection from these enemies as he comes back to Jerusalem from the pearly gates of the king's courts, King's Artaxerxes' courts. Um, he's faced famine. He's faced all sorts of, of economic distress. And now we come this morning to really what is the completion of the project. Um, but things are far from finished. So I want to invite you, if you uh, have your Bibles with me, uh, let's open up to Nehemiah's, gospel, Nehemiah's uh, uh, book in chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 16. 1 through 16. Hear now God's word. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshub the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, Although up until that time, I had not set up the doors and the gates. Sanballat and Geshep sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Kepharim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. What sh why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his service to me with an open letter in his hand. It is written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim you, to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah 
And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. So I sent to him saying, no such things as you have said have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from their work and it will not get done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and I saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God. According to these things that they did and also the prophets Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was finished. On the 25th day on the month of Elul in 52 days. And when our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but this is the word of the Lord, and it endures forever. Nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, and difficulty. Do you agree? Let me say it again. Nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, and difficulty. What do you think? Theodore Roosevelt coined this phrase on November 4th, 1910. He had spent just eight years of his life in the Oval Office, and in many ways, this was now the summary of his entire presidency. He went on to say this. He said, I have never envied a human being who led an easy life. I have envied many who led difficult lives and led them well. Here's a question I think we're chewing on lately. Um, what does it mean to lead a difficult life well? You know, in the large scheme of things, if you live in the United States of America, you call this place your home, we've got it pretty good, right? Would you agree with me on that? You can say amen or stand up and shake your hand. I mean, I'm, I'm really desperate after looking at this camera for. Amen. There you go. And yet life by its very existence, particularly as of late, rarely comes without challenge, I think, for many of us. On the one hand, Roosevelt's words are really inspirational, right? If you want it, go get it. And on the other hand, this quote is also overwhelming. Because it's not in our nature to seek a life that is hardship and suffering and difficulty. And here's why I share this random quote. If you think about the life of Nehemiah, these words sum up his story perfectly. Nehemiah had spent months of tireless effort, right? First in rebuilding this entire city wall and now doing so one brick at a time, leaving the gates only to complete. 
Nehemiah was no stranger to pain either, whether it was from outside nations or accusations against his character or enemies constantly on the prowl. Nehemiah knew what a sleepless night looks like. And when it comes to difficulty, that was his life. Nothing about this wall has come easy. He's led through a famine. He's led through an economic depression and even corruption among his own people. And today we open up to God's word and we find Nehemiah now on the finish line. At just a few gates left to go and he's home free. Goals accomplished. And yet we should have known this project was not going to end this simply because nothing about this wall to date has gone according to plan. You know, we might not know what it means to be a project manager like Nehemiah or a president like Roosevelt, but every one of us know what it means to strive after something, to endure pain for something, to face difficult circumstance for something. That's what makes life interesting. Nothing in this world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, or difficulty. Let me ask you again, do you agree? Nehemiah comes to the final stage of the wall, right? It's the home stretch. It's his capstone moment. And yet before he could even get the first door on the first gate, another attack comes at him. This one is completely different than all the ones before. Because this time his enemies aren't going after his project. They're not going after his people. They're aiming right for him. Because so goes the leader, so goes the project. You know, leadership also, I think, carries this kind of risk. If you think about it, there's not a public leader in the last few months that has come out unscathed, right? You with me? Any, any head nods? Even the most loved politicians have permanently secured their enemies. We watched state governors form alliances, right? When they were making their decisions to close or reopen, they said, well, these states are doing it too. We watch leaders either accused of recklessness in the last few months or tyranny, depending on their choices in leading their constituencies. Never in our lifetime have we ever seen such swift consequences in leading well or poorly. And yet Jesus taught us this life principle that if you're going to lead others, particularly lead them to me, that requires that you take up your cross. Nothing in this life is worth doing or worth having unless it means effort, pain, or difficulty. Just compare Nehemiah's leadership with Christ for a minute. Nehemiah is accused time and time again for having bad motives, right? For wanting to be king and to overthrow the king. Jesus from day one was accused of the exact same thing. Nehemiah is leading an entire crew of people who were set out to rebuild and restore what was lost. Christ sets out with his disciples to do the exact same thing. Nehemiah's enemies are relentless, right? They they try to trap him. They try to ensnare him. They can't stand the fact that he's doing God's work. The enemies of Christ do the exact same thing. They trip him up, and then they crucify him. Leadership, by its very nature, means difficulty, If you buy into that, then the question is, how do we as followers of Christ then lead others well? I want to talk about three challenges. We've been doing the three thing a lot with Nehemiah's series. But I want to talk about three things that Nehemiah brings to the surface this morning when it comes to leadership and doing God's work. And I thought we'd then look at our own lives and see how we might relate. And the three things are this. 
First, discerning when to say no in a culture that demands our yes. Discerning when to say no in a culture that demands our yes. Second, standing firm in the truth even when lies abound. Third, doing the right thing even if and when others do you wrong. Let's look at this first one. Learning to say no in a culture that demands our yes. Nehemiah is just dazed from realizing his achievements, right? The wall is almost complete. God's work is being realized. And here comes Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshep with a new scheme. And here's the note they sent to him. Let's meet together in the plain of Ono. Love your buddies, S-T-N-G. There's no explanation. There's no cause for this letter. They just want to meet with him. Ono was a beautiful place. Think like Paradise Valley. It was on neutral ground. It was almost as if Nehemiah was being invited on a retreat of sorts. Look, your wall's complete. Let's make our differences whole again. Let's reconcile. And Nehemiah's got to be thinking, what can they do to stop me now? I've got all the momentum in the world. But his answer is quite discerning. He gets this invite and he thinks better of it. He says, no, I'm in the midst of a project building a wall. I can't come. So he gets a second letter and things start to get a little bit pushy. He sends back a refusal. He gets a third letter. Now these guys are persistent, but so is Nehemiah, returned to sender. He gets a fourth letter. And now it's getting real, but that too is rejected because Nehemiah knows two things. He knows what he's called to, and he knows that not everyone around him is for that call. He said, they were scheming to harm me. You know, we live in a a yes culture, right? A culture that constantly distracts us with enticing others with our yes. It's not easy to be the, the no guy, There was a study uh, done years ago about referee bias in the NFL. You'll love this. Um, A professor named Michael Lopez studied thousands of penalty calls throughout the league. And with each penalty, he noted where on the field the penalty took place. And what he found was really, really interesting. Um, When a penalty occurs, the referees are far more likely to make calls in favor of the team whose sidelines are closest to the penalty. The closer the coach, the more favorable the call. We say yes often to those who intimidate us the most. Earlier this week, I read about an experiment where a person asked random strangers to vandalize a library book with the word pickle and pin on one of the pages. Can you imagine you're minding your own business somewhere in public and somebody just walks up to you and says, here, can you write pickle right here? And even though almost all the participants expressed discomfort with this question, more than 64% eventually agreed and did vandalize the book. We're far more like sheep than we think we are. Leading others to Christ in a yes culture means having the discernment of when to say no. What plans do you need to say no to in order to say yes to the plan of Christ. Nehemiah had this wall to finish, right? It was God's work that was before him. He knew his mission. He knew the significance, and he wasn't giving it up. Despite the persistence of power brokers all around him, he was steadfast. You do your thing. I'm doing the Lord's work. 
know, if you think about it, we've had our lives all but canceled in the last few months. Everything has been put on pause, which now makes for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really ask the question, God, what is it that you really want with my life? Where do I need to say no in order to say yes? Which brings me to my second point, and that is that leading others well means standing in the truth even when lies abound. I hate barnacles. Being that we live in Bozeman, I don't have to deal with them much, but I hate barnacles. Last summer we were out on the Oregon coast and one day I made the mistake of not wearing sandals out on the beach. And I stepped on these rocks and they tore my feet up like glass. Earlier this year I came across a fascinating article all about the destruction of barnacles. Barnacles are one of the worst destructive forces in the ocean. They destroy boat engines from the inside out. They actually crack holes of ships by their weight. They multiply so rapidly that the U.S. Navy says they spend over $500 million just to get them repaired every year. Here's why I rant about barnacles. Barnacles to ship are like gossip to Christ followers. Barnacles to ships are like gossip to Christ followers. And here's the thing, Christian leaders, like any other leader, has no choice but to lead through the barnacles of life. Did you hear the lies in our passage? Nehemiah won't budge, right? So his enemies hand him a fifth note now. This one is no longer written in private. The scriptures say this one was an open letter. Unsealed letters at that time were often read aloud for the public to hear. They were kindling for rumors. And this is what it said. It said, it has been reported that you are planning a revolt and that you want to overthrow the king. Let's consider this together. Checkmate. What's Nehemiah supposed to do with that kind of a rumor? Sanballat knew that if he wrote these words, he could have started a false rumor slandering Nehemiah's leadership. There was no credible witness. There was no accuser, no evidence to show. Nehemiah is now faced with an entirely new predicament. We live in a world of it's been reported and people are saying, are you with me? Can I get an amen? Amen. We live in a share button kind of world where fear-filled posts pop up on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and without even thinking, without investigating, we are tempted every time to share it. I saw one the other day, it was fascinating. It said, beware, people are leaving money on the sidewalk with white powder. If you pick up the dollar bill, the white powder is poison and it will kill you. Hundreds of thousands of people have shared this post. We look at that that, that and we think, oh, everybody's gotta know. The world has to know the danger. So much so that our social media is now trying to figure out how to pinpoint and let us know when fake news has hit our feed. The problem is no one can agree about what fake news is. I won't even step into the COVID headlines. I know better than that. But as God's people, it's vitally important that we seek the truth because as God's people, we're called to live our lives in the truth. John 16, 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so if we're a spirit-filled people, we are a truth-filled people. 
And here's why I share this with such passion. Um, The world is clearly filled with falsehoods. The church has to be a place that somehow looks different than the world. And the greatest truth we have is God's truth. You know, every time in the last few months when I've looked around in confusion, um, I've been reminded immediately of the author who is not creating confusion. We're called to stand firm in the truth even in a world that is obsessed with falsehood. So here's how Nehemiah handles it. Um, He writes an open letter for everyone to see in return with truth. He said, no such things as you say have been done for you are inviting them out of your, inventing them out of your own mind. He doesn't ignore the rumor. He doesn't slander his enemy by adding to the falsehood. He just directly refutes the truth, or with the truth. And then here's the most important part. We've visited this a few times in this series. He brings this to God in prayer. Which brings me to this last point this morning, and that is that leading well in difficult circumstance means doing the right thing even if others around you have done you wrong. Look at this in verse 9. He says, But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Let me ask this. This is kind of a personal question. Um, where have you had weak hands lately? Where's been the temptation to give into the world and to settle back maybe into your unhealthy patterns and to give up your faith? The sequoia tree is one of the most fascinating plants on earth. But without a forest fire, the service, the series, the, the, Without a forest fire, the species can't survive. Every five to 15 years, fires burn through the forest, and in so doing, they cause pine cones to release seeds. The fire not only opens the pine cones, but it exposes the bare soil so the seeds can now take root. It buries the excess canopy so that coverage is now gone and light can fill the forest floor. And from that fire, new life emerges. Without the fire, there's no bare ground to root again. Without the fire, there is only shadows. I think sometimes in the midst of fire, God is doing something new. Godly leadership is doing the right thing even when everything around us seems wrong. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. See, Nehemiah's enemies aren't finished, so now they they decide to turn up the heat and they bring false prophets to try to lead Nehemiah astray. This man named Shemaiah tells him, your enemies are coming for you in the middle of the night. Notice, it's not in the middle of the day, it's in the middle of the night. What is it about night that's so terrifying? Even as a young child, you put that flashlight on your face and tell ghost stories As an adult, the night becomes a different kind of bothersome. It's where our thoughts wander. The the day's toil takes over. This false prophet, Shemaiah, is playing a big game. And right here, Nehemiah could have run away, right? The prophet could have told him, run to the temple, hide in the most holy place. You're safe there. Except Nehemiah knew better. And again, we find Nehemiah on his knees. Look at this in verse 14. He said, remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they have done. Nehemiah knows vengeance isn't his. Fear is not his. Vengeance is the Lord's. Fear is for the Lord. Nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, and difficulty. 
Let me ask you one more time, do you agree? You know, what enables us, I think, to lead well in difficulty is that we cling to a hope and a future where there is no more striving and there is no more pain and there is no more difficulty. And that message, that good news, is worth every bit of effort and pain and whatever difficulty might come our way. Let me ask God for his endurance to run the race that's set out for us as his people. Let me pray. God, we thank you for loving us, uh, Lord. And we confess there's so many times where uh, we find ourselves distracted from you, where we say yes to things that we should not say yes to. Lord, we find ourselves in times where uh, difficulty or challenge has caused us uh, to run from you. And so, Lord, this morning as we return to your church, we return back to you, God. Lord, would you lead us as we lead others? Give us a faith that is steadfast. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. As I pray for the offering, I just want to remind you, if you are online, go to the website, and you can connect there and, and give through the website or send in a check. Either one would be great. For those of you who are here, as we walk out towards the end, we have two uh, areas in the back. Just put your check or money back in that area, and that'll be perfect. So let's pray. Father, thank you again for the time that we have today. Thank you, Lord, for how you have provided for us. And Lord, we can take confidence as we give, that we can give thankfully, joyfully. Father, we want to honor you in everything that we have. Father, for it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with us as we close with Be Thou My Vision? mask or my microphone for crying out loud. Well, as you go this week, uh, go and serve the Lord with your yes. Be careful uh, who you say yes to. Maybe we say no this week.
and serve him faithfully. Hear this benediction now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in all God's people said. Amen. 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 Die!